How does the Communist Party work? Most people who join a Communist Party, especially in the United States, do not have any idea of how a party works. They have no idea at all. Zero. They were never in a Communist Party. They don't know the structure. They don't know the responsibilities of members. They don't know how the party functions. They don't know about a club, what a club does. They don't know anything about anything, and yet they join the party. So we thought that it's important for us to start making sure people know how a communist party is supposed to function. In this country, it seems very easy, very easy for people to call themselves communists, and they're individuals. They have no allegiance to a collective. They have no discipline. That's a key term. Discipline to a collective. They do what they want, when they want, how they want, completely nothing that Lenin spoke about. Not a party of a new type. In actuality, it's a grouplet of an old type. It's called anarchism. And that's basically how things are run in this country. Other groups on the left don't have any constitutions. One party, they're not even a party, they're seven people. They're on the internet. They don't have phone calls with each other, not even once a week. They don't have phone calls with each other once every six months. And you have one person who runs the thing, no constitution, no bylaws, no this, no that, no program, and they call themselves a party. Another group is out in the streets where we should be on every issue, and you notice they're all young people, and they're out there on every issue. After about four or five months, if you think people in our party get tired just by being on the phone, the only thing that seems to tire our party people is their finger when they're dialing. After a while, they get a cramp in their finger. I'm being facetious. But these other parties that are out in the street, all they do is run on spontaneity. That is not what Lenin talked about. He attacks spontaneity, in fact. And that goes for Workers' World, PSL, Frizzo, APL, and of course the old CP, which all it has is property. Millions and millions of dollars of property, but they have no members. And if they do get a member, what do they tell them to do? Join the local Democratic Party Club, Democratic Party, and that's their assignment. That's it. So we have a real problem in this country, a real problem. We have not had a large revolutionary party for a long time. As long as we're not based in the working class, we're not going to go anywhere. All we are, in effect, are a group of people who want to be communists, who strive to be communists, but are not communists. That's the sad fact. So how should a party work? Well, number one is the basics of all Bolshevik parties is to have what they call the cell, C-E-L-L. -L. Today we call it a club, but it used to be called a cell or a unit. And that's the basic foundation of a communist party. Any questions so far what I just said? Do we usually talk about the club on the district level? For example, in the Midwest, some of them are so isolated. For them at this point in time, is for them to look at their district 
as their club and that they should build their districts and they should participate in their district and then the district has its leadership and from the district example is how they go back home and they build their own local clubs. Correct. Without mentioning names, there are people in this phone call now who don't even come on the district meetings. They think it's not important. They'll come on to the people's school, but they won't go to district meetings of the party. Some of them have not paid any dues at all, not even 25 cents, in the past eight months, and they think they are members of the party. They have not done anything locally because there's not enough of them, so they act as an individual. They'll do something they're interested in, but that's not being a member of a party. Without the collective responsibility to the people you're working with, either through a phone call or person to person, you're not a member of a party. It's that simple. So, in effect, you can look at the district structure as a place to come to as a club meeting. I think this uh, major problem facing North American socialism or founding a strong communist party based on Marxism-Leninism is, I think, first of all, is cultural, and I think Marx and Lenin and Engels also indicated that empiricism, the empirical tradition of transatlantic civilization, becomes the major obstacle to founding and running a strong communist party based on Marxism-Leninism. So I think the North American problem, for the most part, is traditional. The perception of a communist in this country is totally distorted. It has nothing to do with the communists. But you run into so many of them and they say they are Marxist-Leninists. But in practice, they are totally bankrupt. They are not even good Democrats. So I think this is a fundamental problem facing this country and also France and United Kingdom and stuff. All the communist parties, they were there for over 200 years. But they are nothing. They are just anarchists and at the most liberal or radical Democrats. That's how I would call them because they have nothing to do with fighting for a communist revolution. Because if you are a communist, you must be exposed to the classics of Marx and Lenin and discipline and vigilance. If they cannot incorporate those into their personalities, they are nothing. They are just phony. They are fake and they are just out there for ulterior motives, maybe for a fad, maybe only to be called like, oh, he's a communist, he's a communist. In practice, I think I have been in this country for so many years, I think they are phony. They have nothing to do with the communist movement. And as long as you do not alter that 100%, there will never be a socialist movement in this country. No way. Zero. That's a good point. You use the term, they're nothing. I think some of them use it as a hobby. Uh -huh. It's a hobby for them. They're not serious to the point where party work is part of their daily life. They'll go on the Internet, they'll have an hour or two to spend, and they'll write to their unseen friends on Facebook. So, yeah, I think the technology has not helped us at all. I think the technology has made it worse. I don't think it's the technology. I think the individual themselves who claim to be communists are just phony. Any movement has a criteria by which to verify members. The American notion of communism is just self-styled. Any person can come out, read the Communist Manifesto and say, I'm communist. Right. He's not a communist. There is a criteria of what constitutes a true communist individual. And as long as you do not come to terms with those, 
there will never be any progress in this country. It's a dead end. It's finished. Very interesting, and you have a lot of validity, which is saying thank you. Next thing, every club has to be a collective, and people in a collective have to give up something, in my opinion. I think they have to give up their idea that they're the center of the universe. I think many people in this country think they're the center of the universe. And so when you have three people come together who have similar ideological views, and each one says they're the center of the universe, how are you going to have give and take in that small group? You're not going to have give and take. So it is this form through which a party has the widest contact with the class, our class, thereby gaining the knowledge of the problems of our class, the problems of the struggles, of the aspirations. It is the widest and most important form through which a party can teach the same information to the influence of the thinking of masses of people. I think there's a lot of different problems. I think individuality, the feeling that you are correct and that you know more than everybody else. Hypothetically, a person is 16, they come into the radical movement, and they think they know more than people who have been there for 70 years. It's illogical. Just by the fact that you're living, you'll have to know more than a person who's new to the world. But I don't find that among a lot of young people. They're not here to learn. They're not here to carry the torch. They're here to tell the world what they know. That's, I think, another problem. I see this, and I think I've described this as that liberal subjectivity where they're not objective, they don't approach things scientifically, and they can't admit to themselves that they can be wrong. And this kind of subjectivity is really self-destructive, really not useful at all, because, again, you don't go anywhere with it. You can't do anything with it. You have to be objective in order to meet reality. And so this whole idea that you know everything, but you don't study enough, and you don't interact with enough, you just kind of talk to the world and you don't listen, you won't get anywhere with it. I agree. Subjectivity really is something that we have to work on dismantling. Something that our party should do is help put out material that dismantles this subjective mindset and helps bring us into a more objective mindset so that we can focus on actually moving material than squabbling over a bunch of subjective notions. Yeah, I think you're correct. In the 1930s, when we were talking about who's in the party, especially after 1935 and all that, they had a lot of social democrats. They weren't communists. Their idea was they were going to reform capitalism. They had no real problem with capitalism. Uh, I think a communist is somebody who wants to overthrow capitalism and do what the Soviets did. But in our party, and I guess in most of the European parties, and in the Soviet party, they had an awful lot of Mensheviks or whatever. I know Stalin and Lenin, they were complaining about them because they were screwing the things up. Being a communist, it's a constant struggle. It doesn't get easy. Yeah, you're correct. It is a constant struggle. I've always said it's a struggle within a struggle, within a struggle, within a struggle. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes from Comrade Lenin, where he talked about how after the revolution, the class struggle doesn't go away. It intensifies even more than before. 
That's right. And that was and Comrade Stalin who said that also, by the way. I feel like that applies even in joining a party. It's one thing to have these thoughts by yourself. It's another thing to try to develop alongside other people. And I feel like a lot of people just don't realize or they don't want to actually go through that process. And a lot of that has to do with American liberal ideology in a lot of ways. That idea, oh, I'm the most important thing, and it's awful. That liberal do-nothing. You join the party, and you just kind of sign off on it and maybe watch it grow or something. I've always kind of watched this behavior where you donate to something or you go to an event once. You do this. It's not a constant interaction and development. Democracy is a participation program that needs participation. That's no different in this party. And so it should absolutely be emphasized that we need to mobilize as many members as possible and keep things moving, keep things developing, because otherwise we'll fall into that liberal do-nothing style behavior. You're correct. Why do people join our party? Why do people join Workers' World? Why did they join the CP? I'm beginning to question that. I think people are joining communist parties for different reasons. I don't think they're joining because they want to change society. It's similar to what you were just saying. Cadre, it's different than a mass party. Cadre party means that all the cadre help make the decisions in their cells. They make the decisions in their districts, in the central committee, in the PB, the Politburo. And then they carry out those decisions. We thought, which I see now is incorrect, that people would want to join a party that gave them the opportunity to influence the party. I don't believe that anymore, comrades. I do not believe that after three years of organizing with this party and meeting hundreds of people. We gave people the opportunity to go into their environment, into their state, and to act as a communist, and to carry out party policy. And you know what we got from that? People ran away from us. They did not want to actively do anything that would change the place they lived in. They ran away from us, which makes me think that people want to be entertained. I think if we take the entire history of North American socialist affiliation or communist affiliation since 1919, it shows that there is no progress whatsoever in the context of being loyal members of a communist party, fulfilling all the requirements of a true communist. I think my conclusion of North American socialists or communists there is just phony. I think they are there for ulterior motives that are subjective and that cannot be verified. Because how else are we going to explain that after over almost 200 years, there is no true communist party that's loyal to the ideals of Marxism-Leninism. I think I have personally concluded that people join those parties for ulterior motives, just very subjective. But I don't think there is any serious commitment on the North American communists as patriotic forces, as forces to transform American society for a better one. You made your position clear. I'd like to answer it with historical facts. Your limited knowledge and experience in this country, you have to take your lifespan and divide it where you were originally in a different part of the world. That's important. Therefore, you don't know 
what happened before you were here. You only heard bits and pieces. But the fact is, we had a large communist movement in this country from 1919 on. We did. That's not a theory. That's historically correct. Why do we say it's historically correct? Because if it was not historically correct, and we were not a threat to the capitalists that controlled this country, we would have never have had in the 20s a Palmer raid, where they sent immigrants who came from other parts of the world, who settled here, and active in the working class movement, like John Reed, they would have sent them out of this country. There was a period in the 50s where the Communist Party and communists were hounded out of their jobs. They were successful, according to Michael Harrington, who's a social democrat. He wrote a book in the 70s called Socialism. And in that book, he claims that the reason why we had a McCarthy period was because the Communist Party was the third largest political formation in this country after the Democrats and Republicans. And if you look at that McCarthy period, it was very successful. It destroyed literally hundreds of organizations. The IWO, International Workers Order, which was a fraternal organization, had dues members, 120,000 dues members, and that was in the 30s and the 40s. I was born in 47. It was in my lifetime. 47 was when the McCarthy period started. And so I myself did not experience the large communist growth that there was in this country. However, this is a big point. We do have films and we have documentation with videos and films to show what the communist movement was like. We have things that allude to it, like the way we were, which was made in the late 70s, a movie, talked about how the communists were involved in Spain, the international brigades, etc. Then we had the Ban the Bomb movement, which was in the early 50s, in which the communists were instrumental. The CIO unions that were built in the 30s and in the 40s were out of the 18 unions, 11 were led by communists. That's the vast majority. So we do have a history. But if you notice, the ruling class comes down when we're effective. They only come down when we're effective. The Black Panther Party, which was not a communist party, I want to stress that, it was not a communist party. It was a radical formation. And some of the leaders, Red Marx and Mao, they were destroyed when they became influential. They were destroyed by the government, something called Contelpo. Counterintelligence. Exactly. Thank you. It was a disinformation policy. And so the government only attacks those who are effective. We're not effective right now. The left in general is not effective, so they're not being attacked. But don't be fooled to see that there's a history of the government doing that when we were effective. So we do have a whole history when we were effective. And every time we reached a certain level, the government clamped down on us. And that's what they do. But what is very problematic is in spite of that, over 200 years of struggle, 
without having a mature even 2,000 or 20,000 members. That's kind of risky. I'm talking about the future. The future is very crucial at this point in history. The realities we are facing are very, very challenging. Yeah, but the danger to say that North America is different, then you fall into a ideology, and it's a Maoist ideology. It's called the third world theory, that it can never happen here, and we should all know that it can happen here. Fascism can happen here, and revolution can happen here. It can happen, but the period has to be ripe. The situation has to be ripe for that. If we fall into a thing that it never happened in 200 years, so it's never going to happen, I think it's a dangerous ideological falsehood, which would bring us to a bankrupt ideology of American exceptionalism from the left, which says, over here it won't happen. No, it will happen here. Marx made it clear in every industrial society, it will happen. That whereas before there was a feudal society, then there was capitalism, then socialism, and then communism. If we don't believe Marx, and if we think he was all wrong, then we're going to wind up with some of the petty bourgeois radical left. And that's where hmm. they're coming from, like the Occupy movement. I think what is drawing a lot of young people towards communist parties, I've seen firsthand the dangers of anarchism led to my friend being deported due to bad practices and not having safe structures in place and feeding homeless, doing community outreach where because there wasn't a party, there wasn't a structure there that was solid and made of dues-paying, devoted people, the community just stopped trusting it because they noticed that it was unstable. And so I think there's actually a lot of young people now that are actually being drawn towards the party structure. The problem right now is that there's so many parties trying to compete for the spot. The DSA is full of liberal Democrats for the most part, but even they've seen their numbers swell up because people are looking for that party. They're trying to find it somewhere. They know they need it, but they don't necessarily know where to get it yet. There's a lot of potential in America, especially among the youth. People being extremely disenfranchised, realizing that their employment opportunities are having two part-time jobs and riding Uber every day. So I think the possibility is really there, certainly more than it was even maybe 10 years ago. But the potential there is growing, and people have seen the failures of organizations where it's liberal and kind of anarchistic. They've noticed the failings. They've noticed that that lack of structure, that no plan, no commitment to actually working beyond what you feel like doing, won't actually get the changes that they want and will put them in immediate danger. So I think in America, at least now, it's one of the ripest opportunities for a party like ours to really grow and develop. We just got to get through the growing pains of it and show that we can persevere across all these other parties that are also trying for the top spot. I'm glad you said that because there is a difference between our party and all the others. It's not a coincidence that none of them use the name communist. Workers, world. Party, socialism. And liberation, freedom, road, socialist organization. Freedom, socialist, party. American Party of Labor, another one. What do you notice? The word communist is not there. That's deliberate. That's not done by mistake. That's deliberate. Because they're running away from the only thing that has historically 
worked on this planet. The only one that's historically worked were communist parties. Some of them went astray, that's true, because they lost the vision and they lost the ideology. But if they stayed with it the way Lenin did and the way the leadership in the Bolshevik Party did, they would have won eventually. Every time we lost, it's because the leadership gave up. They gave up, period. They just gave up. In every socialist country, opportunism, revisionism entered. Why? Why did it enter? Because the leadership gave up. They didn't want to sacrifice for what they were doing when they were 10, 15 years younger. They wanted the comforts of life. They used the positions in the government, some of them, in order to get monetary material benefits. And every time they did that, they eventually collapsed. Every single time. The ones that kept their eyes on the prize, which was the Bolsheviks, they did win. And so what you're saying is true. There's a lot of groups that are vying for positions, but I hate to blow people's bubble. It's not the youth that's going to lead this country, in spite of what the bourgeoisie tell us. It's the working class youth. There's a difference. Let's put that adjective in front of it. It's the working class youth. They are the only ones who can change society. Mark said it. Because of their closeness to the means of production, and they work for a living. I think the major global danger right now is that the bastion of the socialist or bourgeois revolution, Russia capitulated. China capitulated. They are only talking about win-win situation, which is a capitalist phenomenon. And they are all over in African countries, Asian countries, building hospitals, bridges, and stuff like that. But in the context of only reducing poverty, but not eliminating poverty altogether. And people like Putin and the former communist CPSU becoming bureaucrats and talking about high tech and stuff in Russian Federation. And even the United States and European Union saying that they are for socialism. The ruling classes coming up front and saying they are for global socialism. There is a very complicated phase in human history where the ruling classes themselves are saying they are socialists. The corporation, the CEOs, the Wall Street CEOs, they are saying they are socialists to us. <laughs> so it's a very ironic kind of historical phase. And is it to overpass, to critique that and coming up with a Marxist-Leninist platform? My point is to come up with an ideological breakthrough with a vantage point of Marxism-Leninism for a global framework is compounded and complicated by the ruling class themselves, saying that they are for socialism. When they overthrew the government of Ukraine, they did it under a pretext of progress, socialism, and democracy. So I think it's going to be very dangerous to them in the long term because their economics are collapsing, their culture is collapsing, and they are not coming up with a real alternative to their nation-state. I think eventually they are going to pay the sacrifices because they are collapsing. Okay, comrade, we're going to have to end the class tonight. Thank you for watching this full-length class from the People's School for Marxist-Leninist Studies. For more information, or if you're interested in attending classes, visit our website, check out our YouTube channel, or email info at psmls.org.